More than ever, technology has proven to be a lifesaver given the global pandemic and other circumstances that we now face across the globe. We will talk with an artificial intelligence or AI data scientist to learn how voice technology shapes how we communicate and get our messages out to consumers. Let's get into it. Today, my guest is Carl Robinson, the co-founder and CEO of Rumble Studio. This software company helps companies create podcasts for marketing using cutting-edge voice technology. Carl is also the host of Voice Tech Podcast and has interviewed more than 100 experts in voice technology. Carl's ambition is to democratize audio content creation so that businesses large and small can establish a presence on the audio channels of the future. Thank you for agreeing to come on Making Sense of Multimedia, Carl. Daniel, it's great to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, I really do appreciate it. We're in different time zones, and sometimes that can be a little um, trying, I guess, to uh, coordinate things. Indeed. So I want to start backwards, uh, Carl. And backwards by, I mean, um, you did say in, in my research about living abroad had some challenges. Can you talk about that for a little bit? So living abroad, it does have a lot of challenges. I suppose it depends um, where you are. Um, I've uh, I've spent more than the last 10 years out of my home country now. So I'm from the UK, as you can probably tell. Um, in 2009, uh, I moved to, to China, lived in Beijing. Um, and then after that, after seven years there, I moved to France. So I've been spending a lot of time abroad. Um, obviously, language is the, is the biggest challenge when you first arrive, at least. Um, and certainly in China, I was heavily reliant on the, the friends that I knew out there who could speak uh, speak Chinese. Um, the culture as well, to to get used to the, the different way of doing things, the way people interact, um, how to get things done in your day-to-day -day life. Uh, both China and France have uh, interesting bureaucracies, I should say. <laughs> it can be quite slow to get things done in, in both countries uh, compared to the UK. Um, and just establishing a life, really, just avoiding... Avoiding loneliness, um, moving your life forwards, meeting friends, relationships, these kinds of things. There's a, there's a lot of challenges to living in a, in a foreign country, um, but it's very rewarding. I definitely don't regret it for a second. It's brought me a great, great many uh, benefits in my life, uh, and I highly recommend it. So you're in Paris now. I am indeed, yeah. And, and so what, I guess, what made you choose paris over any other country or going back to the uk um i'm certainly no stranger of relocation as we talked about off mic a, a second ago i recently re relocated although i'm still in the u.s but hmm. relocating to an area that you're not familiar with um can be some challenges so that's why i want to start backwards why did you select paris well, it was uh, it was the obvious choice, really, because w when we were in uh, when we were in China, we we're deciding where to go next. Uh, it was time to leave uh, Asia and come back to Europe, and really the two choices were the UK or France. Because uh, my uh, my girlfriend at the time is from French, uh, from France. Sorry, <laughs> she is French. She's now she's now my wife, uh, and so we're we were looking for 
uh, somewhere where I could actually continue my studies. Uh, I wanted to to get back into technology. Um, I did a computer science bachelor's degree w- way back when. I graduated in 2004, I think it was. But I wanted to get back into the tech, certainly the AI stuff. So I was looking for where I could uh, do a master's degree. Uh, and France has fantastic universities, as I'm sure everyone knows. Um, and it's also a lot cheaper than the UK. So that was one factor. Um, the other was that, obviously, uh, my wife was from Paris, so she had all her family here, and we were looking to start a family. So there was a, a practical element uh, on that side of things as well. Uh, and lastly, France is just a nice place to live. You know, <laughs> uh, I've, I've visited many times uh, you know, in my life, and uh, I definitely wasn't uh, against moving here. And uh, it was a way for me to continue the adventure, uh, having done that experience in China. Um, I still wanted to, to live abroad and experience different cultures. I wasn't quite ready to go back to the UK and maybe never will be. So France was uh, the good choice. And uh, yeah, I'm happy with that choice. I, I've never been to France. Uh, the only place in Europe that I've been was Spain. And I really love Spain when I was oh, nice. there. Um, spent a few days there. Yeah, Spain's lovely. Actually, my my brother's just moved to Spain, so I visited um, for the first time uh, just a couple of months ago, actually, and it's beautiful. We were picking the uh, the oranges off the the orange trees, which they have a lot of in, in Spain, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was great. You mentioned you took some courses in AI, and certainly uh, you did mention the education would be a lot less expensive in in France than the UK. Certainly a lot less expensive than here in the US for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Why AI? Yeah, that's a good question. Um I mean, I could see that it was the next big phase in computing. Um I've always had a, you know, a, a career or at least my my more recent career has always been in startups and technology. Um and you know, I'm always looking to the next big thing where the the innovation is happening, how can we create the next generation of products? Uh, and for sure, AI was the, and still is really, like the, the driving force in, in, in computer science today. Um, I, uh, I was working at a startup in Beijing that was using um, uh, like a chatbot-style interface. Um, essentially, mm-hmm. it was a, an app that we were building that helped um, doctors and health coaches speak to people with diabetes uh, and convince them to, or coach them to, to eat better and, and lead more healthy lifestyles. Uh, and actually, the conclusion that we, that we reached having built that product, which was a kind of a, a human-to-human kind of chat experience, um, was uh, that it would be fantastic and, and much more effective if we could actually automate it with some kind of voice technology. So I, I got turned on to voice technology and the, the whole idea of chatbots through that startup. Um, and there was a lot happening in conversational AI um, around, uh, you know, we saw Alexa at the time, Amazon Alexa, and and uh, these type of conversational assistants really, uh, really taking off and getting a lot of attention and investment. Um, and so I really wanted to work um, in a field that involved that, involved conversational AI to some degree. And I thought the best way to do that was to really understand it um, at, you know, at its, uh, at its roots and uh, studying computer science and and AI specifically seemed like a, a good you know a good way to do that uh, as well as integrate into a, a new country learn the language etc so there were there were many reasons why I wanted to go back to school uh, but that's primarily the reason I wanted to learn AI my background is in technology I was a technology director for a number of years okay um, now since I've started doing photography and videography work. I've talked to a lot of uh, folks, especially photographers, that uh, tell me 
uh, AI stinks. I hate it. It's going to take over the world. And, and I just, for the life of me, I don't understand it. I think they should embrace uh, technology. Mm. It's certainly there. If you look at uh, the, the software, especially with Adobe, because a lot of uh, photographers use the Adobe suites. I use Photoshop and Lightroom. And their AI technology is called Sensei. And I have to tell you that embracing that technology, me personally, not only is it saving me time, but it's saving me a lot of money because all of these different apps that I had to use to accomplish the same thing, I don't have to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. So when you embraced uh, artificial intelligence, how, how, how long ago was that? When did you first get into that? What year? Oh, um, I think I, I left China in 2016. So that okay. was when I was really thinking a lot about it. Yeah. Okay. So that brings us up now to talking about some other topics that I know you're excited talking about. Um, let's start with audio marketing. What's, what's the story on that? Audio marketing, yeah. So it, it really stems from the, the conversational interfaces and, uh, and seeing all the different ways that people are, are using voice-enabled devices now. Um, but it, then it, it bleeds over into, into podcasting and audio content. And uh, you know, my story essentially was, as I was saying, I was working first with chatbots. Then I mm -hmm. um, studied um, AI and uh, actually did a, um, an internship um, at a, a research center in France called IRCAM, um, where I was building machine learning models to change the emotion uh, in the voice. Um, and I was working, you know, pretty much alone most of the time. That's what <laughs> that's what interns do in the lab. Uh, and at the same time, I started a podcast called the Voice Tech Podcast, um, which is uh, all about smart speakers, conversational AI, and really it gave me a, an opportunity to speak to lots of interesting people uh, as as i'm sure you you find yourself it's just a just an amazing tool to to get to have great conversations and also boost your profile um and it made me realize just how many companies in the conversational ai space wanted to be on a podcast right and the fact that they'd be prepared to speak to me who you know i've just i'd gone back to school i wasn't young but i was uh you know i didn't have any authority in the domain at all and yet these people were willing to to spend an hour or more on the on the on the call with me and, and talk at length about the technology and their products um so i saw there was a real demand from companies to want to promote themselves through audio i could see podcasts were really booming like just the number of podcasts uh, being produced uh, the amount of podcast listening especially in the u.s uh, was really going through the roof um and uh and i was talking all about conversational interfaces and how you know these things are are going to transform the way we we interact with computers and of course you know the thought occurred to me at some way somewhere along the line that you maybe i could put these two things together yeah um, let me jump in here for a second sure. you you mentioned a couple of times conversational um i i guess conversational ai or conversational mm. uh, explain that a little bit you mean what, what what is conversational ai yeah what what is that yeah sure um so i, I suppose it's a it's a collection of different technologies um that enable machines to uh, listen to what people say so to actually capture the words that people are saying and convert the audio that they record uh, into into text that's that's one uh, one technology often called speech to text 
Um, and then uh, another technology would be natural language understanding. So for the um, the machine to actually understand at some level what the the human actually meant, the the intent behind what they sent. Um, maybe they wanted to do something or get something from the machine. Maybe they were expressing um, uh, a certain thought, certain set of concepts or ideas, or even an emotion in their voice. So the ability to extract that and represent that uh, in a structured way. Um, and then also the ability to generate um, responses uh, in text, first of all. And uh, I'm sure you know your listeners have heard of models like GPT-3, uh, mm-hmm. which can generate these realistic um, phrases. And then finally, to be able to take those written phrases that it's generated and convert them into audio speech. Uh, so uh, text-to-speech uh, or synthetic speech uh, is another technology. And so if you put all of those uh, four technologies, plus many other technologies exist as well, like emotion detection and uh, voice transformation, all of these other things, if you put all those together, I would group all of that under conversational AI because they all use AI models or you know, machine learning models uh, uh, at their core to, to, to operate. Um, so, and put together, they form something greater than the sum of their parts. Like you can create these systems like Amazon Alexa that can actually listen to what you're saying, understand it, come up with a response and then speak it back to you. Uh, and that's right. what I see as, a, as an AI system. Yeah. We can't see each other, but I have this big grin on my face because <laughs> when when I moved here into the new house, I told myself, I want to make this house smart. <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm vested into the Apple ecosystem. Okay. And no, Apple it's not paying me to say that. But um, I had a, a few friends that came over to see the new house and they said, well, your house is smarter than you are. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> so that all ties in. And that's why when you... We're mentioning Alexa and all of that. Of course, since I'm, you know, on the Apple platform, it's with Siri. And uh, sometimes she can be a little unruly, but uh, oh, yeah. I, I just thought that was funny. Yeah, well, they're not perfect. None, none of the platforms are perfect, really. I've got the Google set up in my home listening to everything I say, and it, it gets things wrong on a daily basis. It can be quite infuriating at times. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you also talked about how uh, AI and interactive voice technology will dis- up, disrupt audio content creation. Because I'm really curious about what that disruption will be. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, like I was saying, I, when I was doing the podcast talking all about um, conversational AI, I, it occurred to me that, you know, a lot of a lot of the questions I was asking on the podcast, I would ask the same, you know, I was asking them multiple times. And there were certain things in the podcast I was just doing again and again with every guest. Um Often, you know, I was tackling the same topics, you know, there was a similar structure to the show. And because I was talking about conversational AI, I just thought, well, maybe a machine could do some of what I'm doing, right? And maybe I was a little bit over-optimistic or a little bit naive um, because, you know, what we do as podcast hosts is actually very complicated for a machine to do. Um, But that inspired me anyway to be able to, the, the idea of getting a machine to be able to do what I was doing like on the mic, interviewing these people, um, and then maybe perhaps turning that into a product that could actually help businesses market themselves through audio. Um, and so, and so, yeah, this is uh, this is the, the the root of the idea that that led me to to start my business, which is uh, what is today Rumble Studio. Right, and we we're going to talk about Rumble Studio in a minute because um, when I 
looked at your links uh, that you sent to me and, and looked at all the information. I said, this this is kind of interesting here. I, I want to know more about that, especially now, like I said at the top of the show with the uh, pandemic that hopefully is easing now across the across the globe. Um, but there's still a lot of folks that um, still doing remote work and there's a lot of folks that just don't want to go back into the office now. Mm. So I can see this technology and especially how you have it set or how it's, how it works where you don't actually have to be on site. And, and I stumble a little bit because a couple of years ago before the pandemic, uh, I was doing some um, video work mm -hmm. and I wanted to interview a president of a college in Boston, and she just did not want to be on the telephone. She didn't want to do anything with that. So I, I know I'm jumping around, but I'm going to jump right into Rumble Studio. I think mm -hmm. Rumble Studio would have been perfect for her because I could have, she could, you explain it. You can explain it better than I can say it. Yeah, sure. Is that, what I'm hearing is that, that this person, this guest, didn't didn't feel comfortable on the mic. Is that right? Like too shy, too uh, self conscious, or was there? Something yeah, she else? she was. Her assistant said she really does not like to be on the microphone. Um, she was happy to do a telephone interview, but at the time, uh, this was maybe two and a half years ago, and at the time I was using Skype, and we all know Skype's audio is not the best in the world. Oh yeah. Uh, Zoom wasn't a thing at that time, at least not that I know of, knew of. Um, so I think something like Rumble Studio would have made her more. I, I ended up not getting that interview for that um, little short documentary. Yeah. But I think Rumble Studio would have been something perfect for that. So instead of me following my script here, let's talk about Rumble Studio now. Sure. Uh it's a, in a nutshell, Rumble Studio is a, a SaaS platform, a software as a service um, that helps companies, agencies, individual podcasters uh, grow their brand or their online presence using audio. Um, and it's an online tool that you can use to conduct remote guest interviews like we're doing now. On uh, We're using Riverside today. Um, right. There are many tools that offer remote guest interviews. Um, but the, the unique part of Rumble Studio is uh, our interviews are asynchronous. So they're not live interviews like we're doing now, uh, but rather uh, you would add some questions into our system. You send uh, an invitation to your guest or guests. It can be as many people as you like. Um, and then the guest in their own time answers those questions, uh, records their voice uh, and is taken through uh, a structured interview um, by the machine itself, by Rumble Studio. Uh, and then after they've recorded, um, the, the creator can go back in, retrieve that audio uh, and manipulate it, add some of their own audio, jingles, reorder, export, uh, and produce uh, a podcast episode or, or any other kind of audio um, in order to, to publish that. What are some of the use cases for that? Because mine was a perfect one, I thought. Yeah, oh, for sure. So there's there's so many advantages to doing things uh, asynchronously and some disadvantages. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that there's uh, it, it solves everything without... Um, causing some other problems as well. So it's, uh, it's, it's one of the tools that audio creators can, can have in their, their toolbox. Um, you mentioned one, which is um, that it's, it reduces the pressure for the guest. Because um, mm -hmm. often, you know, when you're a podcast guest, you're really put on the spot 
the the host will say you know ask you a question you're like well that's a big question i'm not really sure not really sure how to answer that one um but you're live right so you've got to say something and that and that really stresses people out and puts a lot of people off even agreeing to be on a podcast um so i think that's that's a shame because obviously there's a lot of people out there with something interesting to say and you don't want the pressure of the environment um putting them off um and also it's not just uh it's not just the pressure but it's also the fact that you haven't really had time to think about what you're going to say so often you blurt something out without really thinking about how you're going to structure it or or all the points you want to make so one of the advantages with with asynchronous interviews and is that the guests can think about what they're going to say beforehand and therefore the answers are are better informed now this could be for sorry go ahead no, no, I, I, I agree with you because um, in this same video uh, segment, I, and I interviewed uh, another CEO, um, at the, I guess I can say it, it doesn't matter, she's not the CEO anyway, of Campbell Soup Company here right. in the U.S., mm-hmm. and her assistant wanted to uh, see the questions that were going to be asked ahead of time, which yes. is not unusual. Well, but, for bigger, the bigger the company, the more I think that happens. We've certainly come across that, and there are some areas, there are some industries that are very sensitive, like the medical industry, for example, where there's a lot of liability, and they they're very scared of saying anything that they could be, you know, uh, taken to court for, for example, right. or that might mislead right. people. So, right. in those environments, reviewing things in multiple stages and getting all the stakeholders to see what's going to happen, and then also review the content after it's been produced is is, uh, is something we've seen a number of times. Right. Again, in that, my use case, that would have been perfect because she would have had uh, an opportunity to formulate her responses, you know, instead of me standing there, even though she had the questions and I'm asking those questions. Um, a couple of times we had to do a couple of takes because she just wasn't comfortable with what she said mm. at the time. So, um, talk about some other use cases for this, because this, to me, this is exciting. Yeah, absolutely. So the the use cases we're focused on are uh, for companies. It's really creating a, a branded podcast so they can, you know, represent themselves, represent their brand on the audio channels of tomorrow, and that can be traditional podcasts, but it could also be voice interfaces. It can also be audio on their websites. There's an audio FAQ, for example. Um, so there's lots of ways companies can use audio for marketing. Uh, it can be internal communications as well. So bigger companies, big groups uh, often have tens of thousands of employees and uh, producing a podcast for consumption internally can be a great way to keep everyone up to date. Um, it can also be really good for sales enablement. So if uh, big companies are releasing uh, new products, they need to get everyone in the company up to speed on uh, what the product is, uh, you know, how to use it, uh, why you should sell it, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, the salespeople, how to sell it, what the pricing is going to be like. Uh, so there's lots of reasons to create an internal podcast, um, but not everyone in the company is an audio production expert. And so uh, an, an end-to-end solution like Rumble Studio can be used for that. Uh, it's designed to be used by by people who don't have any experience producing audio. And it also, because of the asynchronous nature of the interviews, allows for that step-by-step process of construction with all the reviews in between as well that the managers need to have a look at things uh, before it moves forward. Um, so there's that. Um, there's also things like uh, uh, client testimonial gathering, for example, um, or any use case where you would want to, to ask the same questions to multiple people. 
Uh, and this is something that's that's great about doing things on on, uh, on a SaaS like Rumble is that you can write a set of questions. For example, client testimonials. You might you might want to ask, um, what did you like about the product? Um, why did you what you know? Why did you like those things? Or what were you not so keen on? What would you improve? And maybe you want to send those questions to a hundred customers uh, and capture their audio, so you can really hear the emotion in their voice. So you can. Um, really learn you know what it is that they, they 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 were happy about and not so happy about about your product um you can just put those into an interview you get a single public link or i say public you get a single shareable link that you can share with people privately or you can even make it public put it on your website put it even on social media um i say client testimonials you could do the same thing for social media engagement for example um so you could you know as a, an influencer can uh, create a single question on Rumble and uh, say, uh, you know, what do you think about my, uh, I don't know, <laughs> my, my new initiative that, you know, I launched last week, you know, the, the videos that I put out last week. What do you guys think of that? You know, I'd love to hear your comments uh, and click this link that I've put out on social media and then your fans can click it. They can record their answers um, and that influencer can go in, listen to the audio, read the transcripts as well, because we have that, uh, and then pick the best bits from their fan base and republish that out, not only as a podcast, but back out as, uh, as videos onto social media. Uh, and I'm really excited about that, that loop, that, that um, creator or that community engagement that it can, uh, it can uh, create, uh, and then the repurposing of that content to put it back out to the community so you're showing them that you are listening uh, and that you do care. You answered a question that I didn't ask you. All right. And I'm glad you, you went on. In the use cases, a lot of photographers listen to this uh, podcast and videographers and hopefully other folks. And so I was sitting here as you were talking, I'm saying, well, what would be a use case for a photographer? Testimonials. Uh. I, I mean, you couldn't have said it better testimonials mm. um because in the photography business word of mouth is is huge yes and so i can see a great use case for photographers uh for rumble studio with just testimonials and social media let me ask you this are you familiar with a service called speak pipe I am yes, and and some of the people I speak to in the the podcasting world do, do you speak by and and speak highly of it <laughs> to pardon the pun. Um, I think that the the difference between us and uh, Speakpipe, and I think maybe there's one or two others that do something similar, is that we focus on the like a, a multi-turn conversation essentially. Um, I think and maybe they've updated their platforms. So I don't want to. I don't want to say anything wrong. But from what I understand, Speakpipe is a is an audio Dropbox where you you put one question and then the guest can record as as much as they like in a single in a single go. Right. Um, they haven't changed. They haven't changed. Okay. No. So Rumble takes that a step further, where you can break that interaction with the 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 guest into multiple questions essentially so the first few questions can really be warm-up questions uh, it can be about you know who are you and, and and these kinds of things get them comfortable with recording their voice uh, and then you can go into more depth um the the vision for rumble studio and this is actually what um we uh we're building right now with our data scientists and the, the ai side of rumble which is not released yet but i can tell you a bit about it is to actually listen to what the guest says uh, sorry, yeah, listen to what the guest says um, in their first answer and then dynamically generate in real time a follow-up question based on what they said. 
to actually bring it closer to uh, a live conversational interaction. Um, and this is the bit that I'm most excited about, and that comes from the, the you know the the voice interface world. That is because when I do these podcasts, and and I usually tell people up front, um, I like to make these light hearted as much as possible and have fun with it. Mm. But also as I'm asking questions and I'm getting the responses back from uh, my interviewees, I'll spin off and ask a question based upon what he or she may have said that I just didn't think about. Totally. Totally. And so now you, you with rumble studio, you're introducing that as a, as an AI feature. I think that's uh, fantastic. That's it. Yeah. And to be honest, once we've built that technology that can be used in a completely automated setting, in an asynchronous setting, we could, in theory, bring that technology to live interviews as well to support podcasters running live interviews because there's no reason why that technology couldn't listen to what your guest says live and then just propose new follow-up questions on the screen that you could choose to, to ask or not, right? It could be a kind of decision support tool for a live podcaster, definitely see some use cases for that. Carl, you talk about democratizing audio. What does that mean? Democratizing audio. Um, well, there's a still a big barrier to entry, I feel, in producing audio content for uh, a lot of people, individuals and companies. Um, not necessarily producing your first podcast episode, um, if quality isn't really an issue you know it's easy just to pick up a mic and record your voice right but one of the big problems with podcasting um, is that you don't realize the benefits of podcasting certainly for, for businesses until you've released you know a significant amount of episodes you can't expect to release uh, you know three episodes and then for your sales to increase 100 percent or anything you need to do it uh, consistently regularly and over the long term um, and Audio production these days is still uh, a time-consuming activity, uh, and that either puts people off from starting or it makes people quit um, soon after they start. Uh, and there's a term that I'm sure you've heard of called pod fade, um, right? Which basically means you know people who start with all the enthusiasm of uh, a new podcaster after about seven to ten episodes, I think is the average, realize hmm, this is actually quite a lot of work and uh, I'm not seeing any immediate benefits from it. Therefore, I'm just going to put it on the back burner and, and come back to it later. And then their, their podcast, you know, basically dies. Um, sometimes that happens gradually, which is why it's called pod fade. You know, they're releasing once a week, then they release once every two weeks and it's once a month. And then one day they just stop releasing. And uh, it's a shame, you know, this is uh, it's a real problem. Uh, and so democratizing audio content creation basically means um, to to make it 10 times faster, easier, and cheaper to produce audio content so that more people can get involved. Uh, and also people who do get involved continue to do it over the long term. Uh, I think those are two important challenges that we should we should tackle in the, the audio world. Uh, and that's what Rumble Studio has really been built to, to, to achieve. And there's another company called Descript. I'm sure you've heard of them. Mm. And um, they moved or are trying to move forward, as, as far as I can tell, with making podcasting easier. Yeah. I've had a couple of people ask me um, to assist them in doing a podcast because I'm, I'm audio. I'm, I'm not afraid of audio at all, especially doing videography work. 
Um, your images can be kind of weak and soft, but your audio better be on point. Mm. Programs and companies like Descript, uh, and I've used them before just because I like to test these things out before I start talking about them. Yeah, for sure. And I, I liked where they were going with it. And one of the other reasons um, I'm, I'm liking Rumble Studio because it's it has some similar features, but it's different. Yeah. If I can, if if that's the right way of saying it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, now with Rumble Studio, uh, I read somewhere that you could do a recording, but if your voice doesn't sound great on the microphone you can have an ai voice am i understanding that correctly yeah that's right um which links into descript as well right because they have their fantastic overdub feature um but yeah so i'm i'm really excited about synthetic voices and i have to say really inspired by descript you know it's uh, one of the one of the big inspirations for creating Rumble to to see what those guys are doing in terms of the quality of the transcriptions, the the editing from the text, you know, editing audio using the text, and and then the overdub that can actually replace words with you know your own voice clone. So cool. Um, so I hope um, you know Rumble Studio can be a, a, a one day as uh, as impressive as, as Descript is. But um, yeah, in terms of the TTS. There's a lot of advantage, I think, to to being able to offer full synthetic audio, not just replacing individual words, uh, but actually just allowing one of the participants in the conversation to speak with a synthetic voice throughout. Um, There's um, advantages in that uh, a lot of people don't have the right equipment to record good quality audio. Um, Mm -hmm. They don't have the budget to, to buy it. They don't have the skills to be able to set it up or use it correctly. Uh, often they don't have the right voice. Maybe they don't sound great on a on the mic. They don't want to learn to become a great speaker. Um, they don't have the right accent, uh, etc. Um, there's also uh, accessibility issues. So, like, not everyone is a, a native speaker of English, for example, but they want to put content out in English. There's lots of reasons why you, you might want to synthesize your voice. You might not even be able to speak. You might be uh, deaf or have uh, some kind of speech problems, um, and that synthetic speech can can help with that as well uh, so i was really excited to, to include those features into rumble they're not released yet but they are coming um where you can write uh, certainly write the questions for your guests and then generate the uh, speech audio from that written text uh, and then perhaps one day we'll let, let, you know the the guests can do the same they can actually submit their uh, their answers uh in text and generate speech uh in that way uh we're seeing more and more companies um, creating their own branded voices because having a synthetic voice for a company is is advantageous because they're not reliant on on a single voice actor so that voice actor can often leave <laughs> or do something uh, embarrassing for the company which means they have to to change it working with celebrities is a is a risk right as we see not all celebrities um uh behave themselves in public uh and so having having a synthetic voice that you own is that uh, that you know the brand owns and and uses across all their channels in the podcast on videos in their adverts everything uh yeah because i i wanted to talk about you know one of the things that you can do with descript with the overdubbing mm. is having your own voice oh yeah and um there's a, a a couple of voice actors that i follow on youtube that sounded the alarm and saying, well, hey, you know, somebody's hijacking my voice. Yeah, yeah. So um, 
But what I read with Rumble Studio, I don't think you're overdubbing the person's voice. You're just using a synthetic voice. Is that correct? Yeah. For for now, the the first thing we'll integrate, which is because it's the easiest, is to integrate some stock voices from various um, synthetic voice providers. Uh, And there are many of them these days. Many of these uh, TTS providers focus on different uh, niches or verticals. So mm-hmm. some are very fast to generate and very cheap. Um, some uh, are slower to generate the speech, but they're much higher fidelity voices. Um, some providers focus on the emotion. So there's one called Sonantic that can make voices that sound like they're crying or very scared. You know, it's very dramatic um, and they're used for video games, etc. Um, some focus on different languages, you know, like trying to find a Flemish um you know, Flemish TTS is is not so easy. You know, there's a couple of providers of those. So, uh, you know, my vision for Rumble Studio is to be able to integrate with all of these different providers to provide our users with uh, a range of different voices and uh, and styles that fits the content that they they want to create on Rumble. Uh, and then later, um, voice cloning absolutely is is on the roadmap because there are a lot of companies now that will clone your voice, and that that cloning process is getting faster um, which, because it requires less training data. Um, and it's getting cheaper as a result. Um, and so that's to use one of those voices, there's a two-stage process. And step one is you have to train your voice with that provider. And then stage two would be you, you use it, you select it from within Rumble Studio to be able to generate the, the audio audio there. So we would, of course, start with the, the pre-trained voices and then move on to voice cloning uh, at some point. But I guess you would have to really take into consideration of how to protect one's voice. Well, that's that's something that I think the industry needs to work on as a whole. I mean, it's especially for people who have a lot of public voice data out there, you know, in the public domain. Any podcaster mm-hmm. who's done, you know, a few episodes or any celebrity, uh, it's, it's trivial to be able to just extract their voice and, and train something on it. And in fact, we're working with uh, some companies now. They've got a demo online. Um, who you know they got like a hundred different celebrity voices on there they got hulk hogan they got like <laughs> they got all sorts of people <laughs> um and they i don't think they asked permission for from those you know they got woody woodpecker you know i don't think they've got the, the right season <laughs> yeah, it sounds pretty good as well <laughs> so before we before we get out of here i was gonna do a woody woodpecker this, <laughs> don't let me stop I, you <laughs> I, I think i'll let that go <laughs> Uh, before we before we get out of here, um, Carl, I think your life is interesting to me. It's so interesting, and and I know I jump around with topics, but that's just what I do, you know. Mm. Because I I like I don't like to be pigeonholed in anything, right? Um, but you you talked about entrepreneurship, and I think you started what. Uh, five companies or you were involved with five startups uh maybe i've been involved in five startups i've only started three at a push i've done yeah i would say three startups myself and then i've worked in i've worked in one for two years which was uh, the the chatbot one in in beijing um yeah i'd say maybe let's say four you know one was a, I guess a classic fail yeah yeah <laughs> a slow death as well it took four years for us to go through that which is instructive. You learn a huge amount by doing, you know, you can learn a lot more doing right. than reading about it. But Oh, I've, I've been there, yeah, trust me. Really? <laughs> so, <laughs> is, there, is there anything that you want to talk about that I didn't bring up or something you want to talk about? It, it doesn't matter what it is. 
about entrepreneurship um or anything anything entrepreneurship um voice technology rumble studio where you are well i mean yeah i mean going back to the the voice technology stuff then which links in is i think there's there's a lot of innovation now around audio in terms of uh interactive audio so you know we listen to um well, in fact, I don't know if you, maybe you saw the the Netflix series Bandersnatch. Did you see that? Where you could choose your own route. Like, I don't know if you you saw that one, but it was you know it was a, no. a series on on Netflix where it would, you know you'd watch some of the, the the episode and then it would give you a decision: do you want to do this or do you want to do that? And then you actually click on the screen like what you want to do, and then it plays you the video for for that. You know. and, and what what was the name of that again? Because I have a Netflix account, I want to look that up. Yeah, I think it's called Bandersnatch. Maybe I'm getting that wrong. Just type in Banda, B-A-N-D-E-R, something that will probably pop up. But um, okay. anyway, that's it's kind of interactive video, but that, there are also interactive audio experiences. So you can have a look at um, a, an, an interactive podcast by, made by BMW. So it's a branded podcast. It's got their brand on it called Hypnopolis. I think it is Hypnopolis. And they've done two series. And the second one is uh, interactive. So we were listening to that um, internally in a, a Rumble. And... It's the same kind of same kind of concept, but with audio. So it's a sci-fi series. It's got nothing to do with BMW, the content, other than their logo on the on the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. It sounds like a sci-fi film, and at various points, it, it asks you, "So what do you want to do? Do you want to like blow up the spaceship, or you know, land and you know, meet the aliens, or something?" And um, and then the story continues, you know, driven by you, the listener. So I think that's really cool, you know, in terms of you know different ways that you can consume audio. Um, we're seeing a lot of social audio apps coming out now, you know, in the, the wake of, of uh, Clubhouse. Um, and just, just more and more um, variations on how we can actually listen to audio, whether it's community generated or generated by brands. Um, so that's, I think that's a, that's a great trend and that's one that everyone should watch and, uh, and get involved in as well, you know, like try it out and see if it works. It doesn't always work perfectly. Um, I, I'm not really sure about Clubhouse. I, I yeah. have a Clubhouse uh, account. Mm-hmm. It took a while to get one. Oh, really? <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, I still haven't quite figured out where I would fit in with that. Yeah. Well, Clubhouse, I, yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, I tried it, and it had all the disadvantages that asynchronous audio looks to correct. Like, you had to be there all at the same time. The audio right. quality was really poor. Right. It was just people talk about nonsense most of the time, you know, or just like there was these long gaps in silence. I was like, this is terrible. Like, I'm just not enjoying it. Yeah. That, okay. You and I are on the same page then. <laughs> <laughs> it suits some people, you know, like if that's your thing, fine. But, you know. Yeah. I haven't quite given up on it yet. Um, we'll see. Yeah. But um, so, but yeah, so I just wanted yeah to complete that thought. So that's the um, the interactive consumption I was talking about. You know, like the the ability to consume audio in different ways. Oh, and the and the the granddaddy of them all is really on demand audio through smart speakers and voice interfaces. Because you know these days, you know we ask for content through you know Google or Alexa. We get the get the news. We get a podcast. We get music. That's all on demand audio. And in some ways, it's interactive. And I think Spotify are building in more and more interactive features into that as well. There are interactive adverts now that will play you a 10 seconds of the, the, the audio ad, ask you a question like, do you want to hear more? 
And if you say, yeah, sure, right. then it will play the rest of the ad, right? Knowing that you are right. genuinely interested. So these and things are coming forget, out. Don't forget Siri. And don't forget Siri, yeah. I, I don't, <laughs> but Siri is all privacy-based, isn't it? So I'm not sure if they're going to bombard you with uh, ads, interactive or not. Um, we'll have to see. But, but yeah, so there's the consumption. But then, I, so the bit that I'm interested in as well is the interactive uh, creation. And so... Mm. And this is really kind of what Rumble Studio is, is that the ability to have a conversation with someone in an automated fashion and get them to contribute content, then which, you know, you record um, and guide them through an interactive, interactive experience where, you know, that interaction, the whole interaction in itself becomes content that other people listen to and maybe even one day consume interactively as well. Do you see what I mean? Right. So I think these are cool, cool trends and, and ones that you know, I get excited about because it involves the whole voice interface, conversational AI aspect as well. Carl, I really uh, enjoyed talking with you. Um, we could probably talk for another two hours <laughs> Definitely. about this. Um, but how can folks get in touch with you? How can they check out uh, Rumble Studio? Yeah, so um, if you want to go to rumble.studio, um, you can sign up for an account, uh, jump on the wait list, and uh, and then I'll uh, I'll I'll drop you an email, and um, we can we can have a quick chat, and I can give you access to the uh, to the system. Right now, we're really keen to to just get some feedback on the experience, uh, and and find out what use cases people have in mind for asynchronous audio, because for sure I haven't thought of them all. You know, we can brainstorm here for a, you know for as long as we want, but we're not going to create you know come up with all the ideas that the community can. So I would love for people to to get in touch with me and. and share their ideas like like you have um and uh and yeah just go rumble.studio you can sign up for the account and there's we've also got a newsletter rumble.studio slash newsletter so um either of those things would be great carl i really appreciate you coming on the show um i wish you all the success in the world and i am definitely going to check out rumble studio for myself appreciate it thank you very much thanks again it's carl. Been great to come on thanks a lot daniel take care if you like this show Please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting app. You can also leave me a message about this episode or suggest new content. Go to speakpipe.com forward slash making sense of or click on the link in the show notes and leave a brief audio message. That's it for today. Thank you for listening, and I'll catch you next time.